0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Slipstream. I'm your host, Brent Houston, coming to you again from the compound in the Hocking Hills, still sequestered after all these months. But uh, things are good. Things are good, safe, healthy. We hear you talk about your lab a lot of times. And uh, what does the lab look like? How is it built? Uh, What are some tips and tricks that kind of stuff. So I get a lot of questions about the lab. All right, so let's kind of start with the history of it. I decided to build my first uh, sort of laboratory for computation all the way back in uh, right around 1993. And I've been sort of building them ever since. I've built a number of them for other people, uh, but I certainly have built a robust lab infrastructure uh, in all of my businesses and all of my homes. Um, So let's talk about the one here in Hocking Hills uh, to start with. Um, So the laboratory here in Hocking Hills, I use it for uh, primarily a few things. Uh, The first one is I use it to gather uh, a lot of my research data. So when I'm looking at uh, doing Different research on uh, different types of threat patterns, or I'm gathering analytics data, uh, those kinds of things. A lot of that information gathering happens uh, in the lab. Um, of course, the internet presence of the lab is also uh, stuffed with honey points and um, all kinds of deception technologies that I'm researching and looking at. So I get a lot of data feed from that as well. Um, but then, uh, essentially, I have this lab separated into several segments, and, uh, they are logically and, and in some cases, physically separated, uh, and controlled. So let's talk about the lab, uh, and its architecture first at the physical layer. So, um, I have a drop here with a static IP address, um, which I can change at requisite, and I often change uh, about every six months or so. I change the IP address for that, uh, thanks to my ISP. And that IP drop then uh, comes into the first firewall, um, and uh, essentially that firewall just uh, handles all of the basic kinds of firewalling and NAT and all of that stuff, uh, and behind it, is what I would think of as a layered DMZ. So uh, there's a DMZ section. And in this uh, DMZ, I put uh, any of the hosts that need to offer services to the internet um, and any of the hosts that uh, essentially are going to do high bandwidth um, or things that won't uh, handle double NAT kinds of, of issues. So, Um, Anything like that goes in this DMZ segment. Um, Of course, a lot of research and data gathering happens there. Uh, As I said, a lot of honeypots and and that kind of stuff. Um, Behind it is another layer of several firewalls, and that layer breaks up uh, the IP space into further subnets. And so those subnets each are purpose-driven. So I have a... Subnet, for example, uh, where I do all of my vulnerability scanning and uh, threat hunting, um, mostly vulnerability research. So either testing tools, um, either tools that I find in the underground, um, commercial tools sometimes, or tools that I'm writing for our penetration testing team. And uh, that segment of the laboratory essentially also has a whole group of predetermined targets. So uh, I keep target systems, and this could be computers, virtual machines, um, or devices. And I already know what the vulnerability and security posture of those devices are. So they they get assessed over and over and over again. If I'm testing a vulnerability scanner, I know exactly what's already vulnerable on the system. So when I test a new vulnerability scanner, uh, I can test it against the baselines of the previous tests. So I already know what all of these targets are vulnerable to. And uh, if I wanna test a fuzzer, for example, I don't have to spend any time standing up and configuring a target system for that, I've already got pre-established targets of various kinds of systems with various uh, operating system loads, various uh, system architectures, various hardware architectures. And they're already there running. Uh, they're restorable. So if I, uh, if I happen to find something or brick one of them, Uh, usually I can very quickly restore it back to a known state and uh, be up and running. So uh, I just sort of keep that running all the time, and um, I'm continually testing new tools, new systems, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, So that's really my vulnerability research uh, segment. Another segment that I have is where I do a lot of my uh, prototyping and development. So I've got uh, different servers uh, stood up there for um, all kinds of different types of development, um, already pre-configured for different language environments. And when I say server, a lot of these are Raspberry Pis. Um, I have a huge number of Raspberry Pis, uh, in a, or it could be uh, something like a laptop, um, whenever I need hardware for the lab, this is a, a little trip and, uh, tip and trick. Um, if I need hardware for the lab, I often find that hardware at thrift stores or pawn shops, um, places where I can get really cheap older hardware because I don't need cutting edge state of the art hardware uh, for the lab. I don't mind if an experiment or a piece of code takes a longer time to run. Most of what I do in the lab is asynchronous. So as long as I have the resources I need, I don't mind how long it takes. Um, And I tend to just think about that and essentially think about all my lab activities as asynchronous uh, experiments. I start them, uh, I configure them and start them and then go off and they run and I come back when I have time, look at the results and continue, et cetera. So um, I have a huge number of systems for that. Um, So uh, I will transition for just a second back to the vulnerability testing lab and those targets. Um, so I do the same thing there. I often uh, go thrift store before COVID. I would go to various thrift stores. I would look in uh, all of these different little online catalogs and places where hardware gets liquidated. And over the years, I've acquired a whole bunch of uh, older routers and um, modems and anything with a, an IP interface and an IP stack. Um, so I have a whole bunch of different hardware platforms um, that just stay there for the purpose of being a target. And um, so I've just got a stack of them and and uh, they're all wired up and they're all powered and they all are running uh, with the idea that, uh, that they can be assessed at any time. Um, and... I probably, there's probably not a single one of them that I spent more than about $70 to acquire. So um, just digging through eBay, digging through used hardware to build up a stack of different platforms um, that are sort of real world that give you uh, targets for you to consume. Now, there are also a whole bunch of machine uh, images, right, that you can download virtual machines for damn vulnerable Linux. There's um, the PwnPi, there's a whole bunch of these pre-vulnerable pieces of uh hardware and software loads that you can use. And they're fine to test as well, but I like to have some real-world devices uh, that I can test against and that give us uh, sort of real-world results. So, um, okay, so back into my development area. Um I've got uh you know PI set up with different development frameworks, I've got different languages at my disposal, and uh certainly different web uh platforms and uh that kind of stuff. In the third uh piece, I also have an analytics uh segment. So in that space I've got a whole bunch more pies and systems set up with all kinds of different analytics and machine learning stacks uh, set up at, and at my disposal. And they're running experiments. So um, again, I tend to think of them as asymmetric um, and asynchronous. So I start them, um, I come up with my, uh, my experiment and I configure the systems uh, to handle my experiment. I go, I start them and they run and I come back later and review the results. So, uh, really, that's kind of the structure. Now, I use the lab quite frequently, so uh, it's, a, it's a part of my daily, day-to-day life. Um, I When I'm working on projects with my mentees, uh, I bring them in to the lab virtually so they can come in and work on our experiments together. Uh, if I'm researching a specific threat pattern, I'm working with someone or if I'm just alone researching them, oftentimes what I will do is write uh, a piece of software to go out and find what I'm looking for. And I will spend much more time doing writing code to do analytics on data sets to get what I'm looking for. And then they sort of just run and I watch over time uh, the experiments and the results. So uh, oftentimes I get interested in something and I will start to do data collection and then I'll just watch it over time, looking for changes, looking for uh, little nuances in it. And that gives me the topics to write and speak about. So that happens in the laboratory. Now, um, I do have multiples of these labs, so I have some that are virtual as well that run in various uh, cloud providers for various functions. So uh, I have I have those up there and running. Um in many of my office locations in each one of my businesses, I, I, uh, most of them have a lab for whatever type of work that they're doing. Um, and a lab can be nothing more uh, than a stack of pies and a little bit of networking equipment, depending on the research that I'm doing.